It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. Tonight's tale of terror comes from the Trick or Treaters podcast. Join them as they journey into the horrifying unknown. <laughs> you are listening to the Trick or Treaters podcast, part of the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Movie reviews, horror news, and all the gory details. Listen if you dare. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Trick or Treaters podcast. Uh, I am your host, Kyle, and I will say uh, before we we get started, uh, I realized the other day I have been making a massive mistake for I don't know how long now. Uh, last episode I said it was episode 40, uh, and I went back and looked, and, and, uh, I just was doing, uh, <laughs> uh, looking back at the episodes and counting them up, realized I've made a huge mistake. That episode was actually number 42. We're actually on episode 43, not 41. <laughs> so I don't know what, what, where I got those numbers. I don't know how long I've been wrong, but... Hopefully, I've got it correct now. We're on episode 43. And as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co host, JR. JR, how you doing tonight, buddy? Well, as we are recording uh, Wednesday, August 18th, um, heading into kind of a big weekend um, for me. I'll be heading towards Sin City for SummerSlam weekend in Las Vegas. You know, excited for it's the, you know, probably the uh, the biggest event um the biggest wrestling event since uh like january 2020 which is obviously pre-pandemic you know i think they're looking at close to forty-five thousand people at allegiant stadium home of the las vegas raiders um it's going to be interesting though because i believe off the top of my head this is the, either the third or fourth event that they've had there and the the first few events didn't go right because that stadium didn't really consider parking as a you know as a as a something they needed to worry about. So there's been a lot of complaints from people in the Las Vegas area going to events. Uh, they had a Garth Brooks concert. They had a big soccer match for the Concaf Concaf Gold Cup. Be, um, I think they may have had a Guns N' Roses concert. I'm not sure. And they had like 60,000 people and there was like no parking and to get an Uber was not like that wasn't even an option. Um, and the whole reason why is because the way the stadium was built was the expectation that people would stay on the strip. And I believe eventually there's plans for a um, a monorail to get from the strip to the stadium. So there was a lot of people like upset about that. So it'll be interesting to see how it is. Um, actually, the video I saw from... I think it was a Garth Brooks concert. I saw a photo, and there's a, a str- there's one street that connects the stadium to to the Las Vegas Strip, and it's uh, I can't remember the name of the street. I think it's called Hacienda Boulevard, but it's right between Luxor and Manly Bay, and you just it's just like a massive sea of people like just walking, you know, crossing the street. They shut down the street, you know, because the Las Vegas PD knows that 
you know, this would be the only way people can get onto the strip is by this street. So they shut it down. Um, I believe eventually when they do Raider games, they're actually going to turn into like almost a walking tailgate. Can't remember the name of it. It would be very interesting, but yeah. And then prior to, you know, this last week, uh, I had a, ended up in the emergency room due to some issues I've had related to uh, previous illness with um, COVID, some breathing issues and got treatment for that. And I know we talk about it a lot and I just, again, it's one of those things where it's part of our lives and I think people need to understand how the severity of it is, you know, whether if you've had COVID before um, or if you haven't, the importance of you need to talk to a doctor and if, you know, and if you're eligible to get vaccinated, I can tell you from firsthand experience, you know, dealing with brain issues, you know, going on, you know, since I think close to 17 months now, it just hit me ended up, when I ended up in the ER and just having breathing issues. And um, because the way the ERs across the nation is filled with unvaccinated cases of COVID, I think right now, currently, the average is about apparently stay between 95 to 98 percent of the cases of COVID hospitalizations are unvaccinated. Um, the ones I've read that are vaccinated cases are more older individuals um, in over the age of 60. So younger people who are vaccinated, if they do get COVID, they are going to um, more than likely Again, I'm not saying this as a medical expert, so this is why I'm choosing my word carefully, but you will mitigate your symptoms. And I actually have seen some people who were vaccinated with COVID. In fact, one of the guys I was in the waiting room with in the ER, he was actually an older individual and he was vaccinated for COVID and ended up getting COVID. And the doctor checked him out and told him straight out, said, sir, you are, you're fine. You don't need to be, you know, you have a horrible sickness you have a fever you have body aches but your lungs are fine you're breathing normally you have your oxygen levels are normal like this is why you got vaccinated because in the event that you got covid you would mitigate those lung issues as be and um and yeah i'm not gonna lie he looked terrible but you know they i ended up having to go into the back of the yard for for testing and all I saw was hospital beds and full rooms and some of the most courageous individuals I met, you know, hot, uh, nurses and doctors. I don't want to say running around the chickens with the heads cut off because that's not a fair assessment, but they were doing the best they could to balance and manage an impossible situation. And um, they had, when I got there, they had just set up um, these tents. They kind of looked like, have you ever seen kind of like a desert war movie? Like I'm trying to think of something like uh, I said, the only one come to mind is in the army now with Paulie Shore and Andy Dick, but I'm trying to think of something else, but basically it's, it's this kind of, it's an outdoor, a massive tent. And that is what's going to be used as, you know, very planning ahead because they went through this last year and it's going to be a huge increase. And the problem with that is that the, because of staffing shortages, because of the amount of, of hospitalizations and ICUs, it creates a dangerous situation because you cannot prepare for people who have normal illness, like normal issues. And I mean, like if, if you know, like a car accident or someone has a broken bone 
or like a you know a severe like stomach ache or something like that where they have to go to emergency room because you're filled up with all these COVID hospitalizations they can't accommodate and that's what happened with me is even though I had brain issues I was still technically stable and I had to wait uh, six hours before I was finally released from there by the time I got seen and I actually felt kind of lucky because there had been people there that told me they were there from like eight to nine hours waiting to be seen and before they were able to get discharged um it's just crazy and it's just in those if you listen to your doctors and if you actually go and listen to people who specialize in infectious diseases they would say all this would be mitigated if people are vaccinated it would decrease the amount of hospitalizations it would decrease the spread of covid um and we would be able to kind of maintain somewhat of a sense of normalcy but i'll leave you all with this if it doesn't get better what happened last year it's a distinct possibility it would happen again where we would start seeing school closures again where we would start seeing um events ceasing with people and none of us want to go through that businesses can't afford a loss of income we can't have students we, we need students in school it's very important that if you're able to get vaccinated and again i say this you know make sure you talk if you have concerns you talk to a medical doctor to address, to ask your questions and, and get to their advice. That's the reason why I got vaccinated is because I follow, I talked to my doctor and based on doctors, you know, that's why I got vaccinated, which is why I got back. I always get vaccinated because my doc, talking to my doctor, doctor's recommendation for getting a flu shot, the, now the COVID shot. If I got to get a booster, I'll get a booster. I'll do whatever I need to do to maintain my health, maintain, do my part to help keep businesses open, keeps kids in school. And if your kid goes to school, make sure they're masked because that's actually what the data is currently showing is that based on research is that kids are becoming, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but kids are more susceptible to spreading COVID and kids because of the Delta variant are more susceptible to severe illness. And I had actually read an article based on a, um, a person who's, who studied um, pre-existing conditions and illnesses and, you know, there's, they believe about 5 million kids got COVID. And there wasn't, I think there was 400 deaths uh, of adolescents of COVID, unfortunately. Um, but out of that, you know, close to 5 million number, they believe that close to 10% of kids are going to develop some sort of pre-existing condition, which is like asthma or like um, something of that nature that would affect their lungs or potential um, cognitive function. That's what, you know, they talk about the effects of long COVID and that's, you know, it's a scary thing because you never, you don't want, I can tell you, I have a sibling who had grew up with asthma and it's not good. And especially with you, you know, I don't know about you, Kyle, but I live in an area that has really bad air quality. And that's another thing that doesn't help me is because of the bad air quality. I deal with that, those breathing issues. And, you know, there's been a lot of fires in the area. I think even in the West coast, there's, and I think I've heard of fires in the Midwest, fires in Florida as well. That's just all contributing effects that's affecting all of our health. And so um, we can't stress enough, especially as as if we're seeing the surge now in these areas that's already mimicking or close to the same levels that we saw last year. Well, that was during the cold winter months. In some states, they're already succeeding that. And are getting 
which means if that if they're already succeeding that numbers as we move into winter it will continue to increase and there are states right now where i think louisiana for example right like their medical system is extremely close to utter collapse because of the amount of people they're taking so i'll leave it at that i just again people please wear your masks you know and talk to your doctors about getting vaccinated if you have questions or concerns because it will continue to get worse if things don't change yep this is a very serious very serious matter and like jr said if uh if if you're uh, medically able to get vaccinated and make sure whether you get vaccinated or not that you're still uh, wearing your mask and you know one thing i'll say kyle is uh, to kind of finish this is that in the year 2025 or 2026 the book of the covid history book that is written that of everything what we did right what we did wrong what we underutilize what we overutilize what we um you know did we go too far did we not do enough did we overreact there's going to be so much information in that book but what i don't want to be written is that we didn't do enough i rather history shows that we overcompensated and we did too much for to protect such as you know what maybe we you know even though it doesn't show right now but you know, maybe we didn't have to shut schools down. So it's like, but you know, we had to because people were getting sick. Well, maybe we have to wear masks. Well, you know, if wearing masks every day, I know it's inconvenience. I can tell you, I can't stand it. I have to wear masks at work um, every day now that we're back. But I'd rather people do too much to for the community as far as making sure everybody's vaccinated, everybody wears a mask, everybody social distancing to maintain a structure of making sure that kids are getting an education, making sure businesses are running, then for them to say, you know what, nobody's not doing anything and we have no choice but to protect public health instead, guess what? There is no more movies, theaters that are being open. We're shutting down concerts again. We're shutting down sporting events. We're shutting down, you know, amusement parks. Um, so like that's so why I said, I'd rather, you know, we continue to do what we need to do so that way those things can stay open, especially the schools. And that's the hard part is if you have, a you know, kids up until the age of 12 are not able to get vaccinated, their only thing they have to mitigate the potential spread is, mask, is masking. That's it. And people like we really don't know the, the effects that COVID is going to have on kids. I mean, and that's what I'm saying is that if we do that by making sure kids are masks and everybody that can get vaccinated is vaccinated to kind of create some sort of protection for them that can keep them in school, that's the better we can do because the studies do show that kids being home isn't good for their mental being. So, I mean, that's, if anything, like, guys, let's please make sure that we do everything we can to protect these kids and try to keep them at school as, you know, as best as possible. Yes. Agreed. We had to do everything we can to make sure everybody stays safe and we all get through this together. But, so on uh, that note, after I got out of the hospital uh, and got my, you know, got my treatment, I ended up on Sunday going to the movies to see the 50th anniversary of 
Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I was like one of six people in like a 200 seat theater. So I had like three roasts to myself, which was pretty cool. Um, I popped. I loved it. I love Willy Wonka. I think it's one of the best movies of, and one of my favorite movies of all time, my favorite movies of my childhood. It was just amazing being able to experience that in the theaters. Um, I just, I popped. I sang along. But somebody told me, they said, Kyle, and I, those, I, I, we don't have, I don't have a question for you, but I'll throw this to you as a question. Um, someone said, if you think about it, Willy Wonka is a potential horror film. I can see it. And when someone told me that, I'm like, I want to kill you right now. I said, you have a, you have a creepy old guy that invites five children into his factory to give them candy and then one by one, they slowly someone get killed off and never to be seen again. That's very true. I mean, no one even kind of bats an eye about you know the kids being going missing. <laughs> and so, um, you know, they're they're in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But I read the book, I watched Willy Wonka, and it's all the remake with Tim Burton and and Johnny Depp. That's you know named Charlie Chocolate Factory, which is what. That's the actual book by Ronald Dahl is made out is named after um, that he wrote. That you do see the kids. The kids are seen in the end of the book. I think there's actually illustrations in the book that shows the end. Like almost 100 percent positive. Um, and in the Charlie and Chocolate Factory movie with Johnny Depp, you actually see the kids in the end, but you don't see the kids in the end in Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory. You only see Charlie Charlie Bucket, Willy Wonka, and Grandpa Joe. And I was just like. God, this guy, I feel like he broke me Like when he told me that. I never it, I, ne- I never realized that. It kind of reminded me the way when he said it, and you think of like, you know, that he's the final the final winner, or he's the winner, he's like the, the last one standing. It kind of reminded me of uh that movie Would You Rather? That star Britney Snow, where like basically they were playing your game and whoever was the last one to survive was able to get um you know, got like a million dollar prize or something like of that nature. Um, and then the other one was the uh, escape room. It's just like basically last one standing survives. And it's madness. Willy Wonka is kind of that way. I don't care. I still love it. The whole, the whole chocolate factory, the chocolate river, like the, the whipped cream mushrooms, the, the gummy giant gummy bear trees. I thought it was amazing. I loved it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great film. I need to watch it again. Uh, 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 I haven't seen anything in the movies uh, in a couple weeks, but uh, I did recently uh, started watching the I watched the pilot episode of the, since me and you're both wrestling fans of the new wrestling drama series on Stars called Heels, starring Stephen Amell, and it was really, really good in my opinion. I'm, I'm pretty much hooked on it and can't wait for the next episode. So, um, I did watch it. I watched it the, as soon as it came out. Um, I have stars on Hulu. Um, you know, cause I, I'm a big streamer. I don't have traditional cable. I, they lost me until the end. The ending of the first episode convinced me to, to tune into the second one, but I fell into a trap. And that is, if you are a wrestling fan, you really can't judge it through the eyes of a wrestling, like as you would a wrestling company. Because there were some things that just didn't make, 
that kind of weren't clicking for me because but i was comparing it to like a wrestling show because i was like well why is this like some like looks like a 1980s backwoods town but they have like 90s magazines but then they have a laptop so it seems like it's a present time like just things weren't adding up and it's just kind of like hey like you know they they talked about using like a script and i'm like well they wouldn't have used a script like who i've worked indie shows they don't have scripts and what it is is like they're trying people who are not wrestling fans is trying to maybe oversimplify so that way that people who are not wrestling fans would be able to follow along so once i kind of realized like i was kind of falling into this trap of just second guessing everything and just try to sit down and enjoy the show i found myself that i enjoyed it more by doing that uh see but see uh the thing is Stephen mill is a massive wrestling fan and all the people that they actually got like a lot of wrestling talent to help produce the show even uh a ham punk uh he's in it but he won't be on there till uh, i think he comes in on episode three but yep. he, he he did help produce like uh, most of the stuff on the show and they uh, he was basically there as uh as an advisor on the show since he's the only one with actual wrestling experience and and there were other stuff on there too like uh I won't uh, give any spoilers, but th- th- there were some fun cameos in the pilot that I I, I called I, I called on. I was like, "Wait, is that is that who I think it is?" I'm like, yeah, it is. I was like, "Wow, that's pretty neat." But yeah, that that ending, dude, that ending was beautiful. And so I'm definitely like I'm the way the way it ended. I was like, okay, I'm extremely interested in what comes in next week. Um, the other, I'll say, but I did watch that. Um, and then to add, I. I caught up because I didn't realize it was already out, but I got caught up with the the season three of Titans. Dude, yeah. yes, I, uh, I think it's the first three episodes are out. Yes. Uh, I watched all three of them. I almost cried at the end of, at the end of episode three because I did not see that coming. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, the way just for those season the, the, three, the, the way about, it was set up, it was yeah. great. Season three is about the Red Hood. Yeah, um, I fucking love Red Hood. Kind of story arc, but there's, you know, what I think one of the things, if you ever watch, I watch a lot of the, the DC type stuff on TV. Like, I'm a big fan of the Arrowverse. So you yep. they'll take a story arc, but then they kind of twist and turn it and, like, mold it to kind of fit their narrative of, their, of the TV show. And that's what it is. So they take the narrative of, like, the Red Hood storyline um, and to kind of fit the mold of what they need for titans but it's 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 crazy i mean and i love i think it's i think the first two episodes was on tnt and now it's only for hbo max and it's so much better being on hbo max well no it was was for a dc universe but then the dc universe uh uh streaming service went down and so then uh hbo max picked up most of their content it, it, so it, was, it was never it's on so t- for some reason i thought it was on no. tnt the first season no it wasn't on tnt okay well yeah you know and you're yeah dc universe tried to do their i guess version of disney plus and then that ceased to exist at the beginning of january yeah it didn't last um, long at, i don't even think it lasted two years to be honest uh, yeah if it, if it, it did barely it um yeah but it's good though i mean it really by but, by giving that Access to library to HBO Max makes HBO Max a very good deal, and I think in the end it's a good deal for for Warner Brothers and DC by doing that. 
Yeah, dude, Titans is such a great show. Like, there's too many people who wrote Titans off initially when they saw the like first pilot episode or like the teasers for it, and they liked the way certain characters looked and stuff. That show is so fucking good. Well, I think the I think the problem with Titans and this is the problem with I think also with like the the Arrow universe is people I think they it it's so big like Marvel same thing with Marvel like Marvel's so big um you know it, it's so in ways that even I can't that I don't comprehend because you really have to know those comics but I think people like and I'll stick with DC it's like was like okay we get DC show where's Batman where's Superman where's Wonder Woman it's just like ah like I get what you're saying, but there's so many other compelling characters, and like it stars, you know, Dick Grayson as Nightwing, um, as like a main character, and then there's other people in there. I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but he's you know the big one. But there's other characters that you really kind of fall in love with throughout the show, and just the story arcs they create, are, I think, are really compelling. Um, and those other additional characters they have that you you kind of you know become fans of, and so. That's why I liked it, you know, I, and the more I saw it, the more I got into it. And same thing with DC, like, you know, I was like, well, who's Arrow? Is it like the Green Arrow? And then I fell in love with Stephen Amell and I fell in love with, you know, like Flash and Felicity Smoke and um, like Reverse Flash. And there's characters like that lose the top of my head. But you start with these people that there isn't just Super Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. There's other characters in that universe that makes it so awesome. And so it's like kind of the same thing there. It's to me very reminiscent of, of Marvel where it's like growing up, it was all about like X-Men, like X-Men was like, that's all we knew. And then it's just like, well, who's Iron Man. And then you see like what Marvel, you know, Marvel universe with Iron Man. And it just completely like revolutionized, like, um, you know, superhero movies to, to make it what it is today, where they essentially um, took back all the rights to everything they ever owned and i said you know there's other characters that will make that can make as long as it's there's a good story and it's directed and produced well like it could be any character it could be fucking you know blue man or somebody that you just create out of nowhere like your people will watch yep it's a it's a great universe. I'm really huge fan, huge DC fan. But uh, uh, let's get into some other uh, news. Uh, I don't really have any uh, horror news that, that I can find. Uh, but I will say a couple of podcast uh, news. Uh, well, uh, before, uh, before we get into the main one, our friends, uh, the Scream Queens, uh, Cece and Jess, they recently passed 10,000 uh, listens on their podcast, and that's just an amazing accomplishment. And honestly, I mean, there's no other two people who who deserve to have that success other than those two wonderful uh, people. And uh, you know, huge fans of us, big supporters of us, and uh, this is since day one. We just we can't thank them enough for everything that they've done for us, and we're very proud of them for achieving that ten thousand goal. That's amazing to hear. Um, I love CC and Jess with all my heart. You know, I think a lot 
you know, for those who listen, we're so grateful because at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're indie podcasters. We do this for the love of, of horror, you know, you and I, and you know, obviously they love horror and they love HHN and to know that there's, you've gotten that many listens and that many people appreciate you is it's pretty awesome. Like for me, if I, if, you know, and I tell Kyle, I said, never tell me cause I don't want, I never want to know, but if, you know, we get 50 people listen to me, listen to us, me and you, Kyle, we get 100 people, we get 10 people. I just feel like, you know, I appreciate the time you gave us because you didn't have to. And by supporting, you know, supporting one another, you know, kind of builds, you know, builds each other up and shows that, you know, what we're doing means something. That's great to hear. So like I said, nothing but love and respect. And in a lot of ways, if it wasn't for them, I don't think you and I would be here. That's very true. Very true. Uh, but in in uh, in more podcast news, uh, for those who don't know, so, so this episode is going to drop on on Friday, August twentieth. That Sunday, August twenty second, is the one year anniversary of our little podcast. I, I can't believe we're about to be on a year of doing this together. Yeah, you know, when you go back and you've seen how much, you know, what's gone on transpire over the year um, and all the sh- all the movies we've covered and things that have dropped since then um, and what's coming up down the pike, you know, it's been it's been a fun year. Um, it's really in a lot of ways have helped us endure this last year. And, you know, obviously, you know, I've become close friends and like, you know, distant brothers Um and I just can't wait to see what the next year follows because there's so many more movies and new experiences that are going to come our way. And I look forward to opening up new chapters um, in movies that I may have never seen before. So that way, um, when we be able to cover things, it's going to be um, even more exciting. And I think that's that's been a good thing about the podcast is that we're able for me to get back into horror after being kind of away for so long where I've only watched like certain films and seeing new movies that, you know, I haven't seen, you know, for example, like last week's, you know, hashtag alive never would have saw that if it wasn't for our podcast show or reliving classics like jaws that I've, I feel like it hadn't seen it like in 20 years. Um, that's, you know, one of the best things that we've been able to that for me that, you know, talking to you, talking to some of our special guests, you know, people that come on to talk about the movies they love. Um, those been exciting for us. And for me, I could say for me specifically. Yeah, it's been, it's been a hell of a year and I, I, I wouldn't do it with anyone else other than you, man. It's, it's been great. I'm excited to see what the future holds, but, uh, you know, everybody's, uh, not here to hear us talk about news or, any other stuff we talk about, we're here. They're here to listen to us talk about horror movies, and uh, we're back this week with. Uh, we're continuing our Netflix uh, theme month, and this on today's episode, we're talking about the Babysitter from 2017, which is a, I guess you could say, kind of a comedy horror film, and it was directed by. Uh, I guess it's McGee, who is originally just a music video director who 
has directed a, a music video. Some or all of you may have uh, seen a little music video for a, a little band called Smash Mouth for a song called All Star. I thought that was neat. I didn't know that uh, when I was researching it, I found that out that the freaking director of this movie directed All Star Smash Mouth music video. Well, you know, he ended up, he kind of had a, you know, he kind of built way up. And when I kind of look at his, um, you know, his biography, first of all, let me go back to it. The um, Smash Mouth was like, I think it came out in, God, I want to say 99 or 98, somewhere around there. Um, That was like, Smash Mouth was like, one of the greatest things ever. Like people, that song was like over. Like I can't tell you how over that move that that song was. But then because of that success of that, he was approached to direct Charlie's Angels. Uh, you know the story goes that Drew Barrymore approached him because of his success in music videos. They approached him in his first film to direct was Charlie Angels in two thousand. And I mean, it's, it was like he went from a music video. You know, some of those music videos have pretty decent, but like I think the most expensive music video ever was brought was a to my knowledge was a um Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson song. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like to the tune of like maybe three or four million at the time. So even the most expensive music video doesn't equivalent to him directing a ninety-three million dollar budget of a movie that starred Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Lou, Bill Morey, Sam Walkwell. Tim Curry and Kelly Lynch. And then he, you know, from there he went on to direct Charlie's Angels, the, the sequel, uh, We Are Marshall, uh, which is a movie I saw in theaters about the story of a Marshall football team that died in a football crash and the and how the you know, Marshall University endured and, and overcame that tragedy. And, if, and then a few other movies, then after that it was kind of like every few years he was directing a little bit um, movies, kind of he stayed... Um, did a little bit of television and produced quite a bit, but then eventually in 2017 he came out with producing and directing a Babysitter. Yeah, uh, that's a hell of a that's a hell of a rap sheet's got on for uh, the movies and music videos he's directed. Like that would be like them coming to us and be like, um, "Hey, you want to like, um, you want to do something on Shutter?" I'd be like, "Hell yeah, we're going for podcasts in the Shutter. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. It might not be good, but we'll do it." <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, uh, it, it the, the babysitter it uh it stars Samara Weaving and Robbie Amell, Bella Thorne. Uh, Judah Lewis and Hannah Mae Lee, and uh, you know, for those who don't know, some smart, smarter weaving is is really coming up in the horror world as uh, as like uh, as a screen queen herself. Uh, she was in uh, a really amazing movie that I'm hoping that I hope we'll, we'll cover one day called Ready or Not. Absolutely, that would that I saw last year was blown away by it, uh, and the make the makers of Ready or not, uh, are the same people that are making the upcoming Scream movie. And once I heard that they were on board, that's how I knew that uh, 
Scream was in good hands because Ready or Not was just a really, really great movie, and Samara Weaving stole the show. Um, I actually re- so for me one of the re- I one of the reasons why I tuned into this film when I first watched it was because of the cast because I be- I remember her I believe she had a recurring role in the in Ash versus Evil Dead show on Stars yeah but then you had uh also this movie starred Hannah May Lee who was in Pitch Perfect yep Pitch who Perfect. I enjoyed yep, um, same here Robbie Amell who I remember him uh, having roles yeah. in um uh I remember him being in the CW universe flash yeah. a little bit. That's when I first Yeah, he was uh he was on the Flash. He was uh what he was uh Fire uh I forgot Storm. what name Firestorm. Firestorm, yeah, he was Firestorm, yeah. Uh Bella Thorne, who I've seen in a lot of you know, movies I think before this. I remember her being in the Duff. Yeah, I think she I had a cameo have. role in the and, uh, TV shows. Uh, I don't know if she. Uh, Bell, hold on. Yeah, I think she was the first person. Killed. She was the one killed in episode one. Uh, on the, she's she was basically she had the Drew Barrymore scene in episode one. But uh, uh, uh speaking of the, you said you mentioned Bellathorn was in the Dove. She was in that with Robbie Amell as well. Oh, wait, that was you know that was actually my wife went to go see the movie theaters. Um, yeah, it's the other. It's a, it's actually a really good movie. I, I actually like really. I watched it just because I was bored, didn't have anything else to watch, and I was like, yeah, you know, you know, I like Robbie Amell, so I'll check it out. And yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Then the uh, the other main character, uh, another um, Andrew Bachelor, I believe his name is, or his or his pseudo name is King Bach. Yeah. He's, He's come out with a lot of stuff, but I actually seen him more. He does some. He had funny videos on the internet, like from Vine. Oh, okay. he was um, he was one like the most successful person that did like these comedy videos on Vine that were like really funny, and it kind of I think gave him a jump start into uh, it's like doing like you know stand up comedy and doing some movie stuff. Yeah. That's pretty. And then, neat. Um, I didn't know about that. The, the to kind of round out um, who's kind of more. He's not to round out the cast. He's actually the, the number one or number two biggest next to Samara Weaving, Judah Lewis, who was um, plays Cole Johnson in this film. Oh, it's wow. kind of like the, the the nerd kid who has a crush on the babysitter. Yeah, which is, you know, a tale as old as time. I mean. I, for one, can relate to this. Uh, back when I was a kid, uh, uh, while my mom was at work, uh, I had a babysitter who I was very attracted to. And, and she was really cool, too. She would uh, uh, come over and uh, we would watch Terminator 2 Judgment Day like every time because that was like, for so, uh, I think she showed it to me. Uh, first, uh, she was the first one to show me the movie, and I just loved it. And so that just became our thing. Every time that uh, she had to come over to babysit, we, me and her would sit in the living room and watch Terminator Two: Judgment Day. But I, I was also extremely attracted to her, and so I, so I, I, I get where Cole was with this. Yeah, I mean, this. I think you said it best. It's one of the the te- the tells that been as old as time the you know a uh, young 
kid having a crush on his babysitter you know seen it time and time again i've seen it in many movies many tv shows um and it's just it's just always been there it's a story but this takes a very different twist though to it oh yeah this yeah i did not see this coming <laughs> the first time i watched this especially that one scene where it's finally revealing what's happening i was like well this just took quite the turn uh before we get into their like talking about it uh so like uh so, so like basically it's a pretty good it's a pretty good movie uh i will say that it's not perfect there's a, there, there's some issues i have here and there uh there's really bad dialogue choices and it's like it's like really bad dialogue for like for like your typical teenagers and there's also some really bad acting but other than that though there's some really good go- there's gore and really good kills and stuff that really make this movie yeah i mean absolutely um this is a very kind of a somewhat cheesy horror film but not in a over i can't think of the correct term, but not like an insulting way. It's something that I think you would find potentially funny. And then some of the gore, I think you would, for those who were into that, you would enjoy it. Um, I think it, you know, I don't want to, I'll say this, you know, at the end we'll get to ratings, but I think, you know, with everything, you know, the good, the bad, it definitely does have, you know, some good replay value to it. If you're interested in, you know, watching it over again more than once. Um, I think there are people that have enjoyed it, especially if you like, you know, some of the characters that we've said in there. And like I said, that was the reason why I tuned into it was because of the more of the supporting characters because I was more familiar with them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of the characters, I will say I think Smart Weaving as B and uh, Judah as Cole pretty much steal the show. They're probably the two best performances. Oh yeah, um, I think they do a, tr- a phenomenal job. I think really good, and I, you know, especially, um, I mean, spoiler alert: there is their sequel. So, like, when the sequel came out, you're just like, okay, I'm really interested to see what they're gonna do with the sequel. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. So essentially, uh, one thing I'll say about this film, um, it is it has a very small box office, about $404,000, but um, I couldn't find the actual budget of it. The one thing I do know, based on some projections, that Netflix paid approximately $10 million for the right to this milk. So yeah. I would say somewhere in the vicinity, if I were to guess, between what I've seen, somewhere between 5 to $8 million is probably their budget for the film but i could be wrong it could be more but yeah i couldn't find a budget it seems like with the netflix stuff we haven't been able to find budgets as good as we are to find big production movies uh it, it, it is interesting though like originally this was supposed to release uh back a few years back before it released on netflix it was supposed to have a theater release but then netflix ended up getting the rights and they released it uh, in 2017 on Friday the 13th in October, which was really neat. You know, and that's one of the things that we keep say, you know, saying is that there are some films 
that will um, be way more successful inside of streaming versus in the box office. Um, and there is a, I think, especially with some of the success of this last year, you'll see more and more of this. It, and it started before 2020, but I think between 2020 and 2021, and what we've seen, you're just more of these uh, movies that looks like they have a decent budget or more production value will find their way onto Netflix or Hulu or HBO Max or Disney Plus. So, um, you know, for people like me that you may be a little more of an introvert and rather stay indoors, it's not a bad concept. It's not something bad to look or to. Anyways, um, so this movie starts off with you have a more of a younger, probably within the age range of 12 or 13, uh, student named Cole and Cole is a extremely you know nerdy kid and he's there's in the beginning he's picked on by his classmates he's picked on by his neighbor he is kind of afraid of getting a shot at school like he's just your typical kind of nerdy middle school kid um but he ends up having his babysitter named B and B is one of the individuals who shows him a lot of love, a lot of respect, and ends up, you know, protecting him in a lot of ways, especially against the, the neighborhood bullies. Um, one day, you get a situation where Cole's parents are leaving overnight to stay at a hotel, and B is going to take care of Cole and make sure that he's, you know, in bed and all that stuff. Um and they're going to uh she's going to watch him for the night as his parents went away so while they're there um b ends up um putting him to bed and as he puts him to bed um you know b comes out excuse me not b cole comes out of his bed and sees that b is there with her friends her friends, um, Samuel, John, Sonia, Max, and Allison. And yeah. he's calls at the top of the stairs and sees the group in a circle playing spin the bottle. Ooh, spin the bottle. Plays. You know, I'll that be old, honest. I, you know, game. I'm old, I'm older. I've never played this game before. Like, I, I think maybe, maybe I've done it once. When I was in high school drama class, yeah. we had a post-production, you know, wrap-up party, and some of the kids I think were playing it, but I was like, "Y'all go do that. I'm gonna go hang out outside with with one of my uh, one of my friends that I wrestled with. His his girlfriend at the time was on the, you know, she was a technician like me, so he happened to be there. So we ended up just you know staying outside, you know, I think playing cards and drinking Pepsi or something." But yeah, I just not my thing that I ever got planning. But they had a plane spin the bottle, and um... uh, before we get into this big scene, I will say, want to add, B is not a good babysitter at all. Cole is supposed to be like what thirteen, fourteen, or something like that, and she offers him alcohol <laughs> before putting him to bed. <laughs> but hey. <laughs> I'm just like, what? Hey, sometimes you need to put these kids to bed, man, and whatever it takes. No, I'm just playing. Don't do that. Don't. 
I do not support underage drinking. Don't give your kid, don't give a minor liquor or Benadryl or NyQuil to put them to bed. That's wrong. Don't do that. Um, bad babysitter. I don't, we, we just got yelled at. Either you go to bed. I, remember, I don't know if you've ever been told this line before, Kyle. Either you go to bed or I'll put you to bed. That's what we were told when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and so, um, and that's, you know, he ends up actually, Cole ends up, you know, throwing the beer out. He doesn't drink it. Um, and then he ends up, you know, as she leaves him, he comes yeah, out of he, his bed. He pours, and sees it, into a, he pours it into a plant. <laughs> um, she ends up, um, you know, so he pours it out, ends up going to bed, wakes up, you know, where he's not actually asleep. But he goes to, he's at the top of the staircase, seeing them in a circle playing spin the bottle. Um and it lands on um, B, and she ends up kissing um, Allison, who's the head cheerleader, and then yeah. ends up also landing on Samuel, and she goes to kiss Samuel. And Samuel is a nerdy high school kid. You have yeah. Allison, who's a cheerleader. He, he did not fit in that group at all. Oh, no. I mean, you essentially have, <laughs> you have John. John is, you know, he looks like a popular kid. You have... Um, Max, who's this like the school jock? Yeah, you have Sonia, who's yeah, uh, you have Sonia, who's played by Hannah Mae Lee, who she kind of looks like like a popular, maybe like a popular drama kid, or you know, she's not definitely not a cheerleader, def, but she's somewhere in the higher end of spectrum. As I mentioned, you have Allison, who's like the head cheerleader, and so, but Samuel is just a and very he, nerdy kid. He's somebody yeah. that he looks. Um, like he's 95 pounds and probably in the computer or chess club, which I was in the chess club. So no disrespect chess club. Um, I play chess as well. Like I said, I did drama. So anyway, so B who is a very attractive, you know, high school kid, she ends up, you know, gets and kisses Samuel. And after she makes out with him, all of a sudden out of nowhere, she pulls these two massive daggers and stabs him in the head. It's an insane scene. Did not see it coming. And it's a pretty brutal kill because yeah. um, it's... And Cole's reaction of... said it all. <laughs> Say it again? And Cole's reaction said it all. His face is priceless during this. Um, And I love that they do these little title things where... Uh, before they when they was playing spin spin the bottle when they were doing the na- the names it popped up and it reminded me kind of like how Scott Pilgrim versus the World does the, their little their little title cards sometimes it was doing that and then um whenever uh whenever B stabbed Samuel it just popped up what the fuck <laughs> as soon as Cole saw it. Well, and one of the so, and the reason why this happens is that basically the leftover uh, people in the circle, which is B, is kind of a leader, and then you have Sonia, Max, Allison, and John. They're all part of a demotic cult, and so they end up using. They have these chalices that they're trying to collect the blood of um, Samuel as some sort of like basically like equivalent to a sac, you know, sacrifice. But there is like very, it's very gory though too because there's a part of it where, 
like the blood spurts out of Samuel's head and hits John like right in the face. And I'm pretty sure I've told the story when um, I had something similar happen to me. As as I told people, I I was growing up harvesting animals was something very common in our family. I've harvested, uh, you know, sheep, goats, pigs, um, a number, just a lot of livestock. And I've had this actually happen where I had blood spurred in my face in the exact same way. And it's very, very, um, you're taken aback by it. I, you know, it's, it's a very weird thing to feel. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) So I don't recommend, I don't recommend it, you know, going through something like that because it could be traumatic, but it was just, it completely caught me off guard. But I, so I understand uh, John's, uh, John's pain in this. Yeah, for a second when you said, uh, I know what what this is like, I was say, wait, JR, did you get sacrificed by a satanic cult when you were a kid? Hey, I may <laughs> be alive, I may not be. All he knows is I'm talking. <laughs> um, so Cole, after seeing this, he, he ends up going back in to call 911 and gets he has a pocket knife and he's trying to hide so they don't see him, but they come to check on Cole. And when they come to check on Cole, um, they ended up basically like, I think, like sticking him um, so they can get like a piece of, you know, some of his blood, which is kind of weird because yeah. like I've, you know, they took a vial of his blood, but I've given blood. You like, how do you not expect him to fill it because they get well, it from his vein? Hey, well, if you remember, uh, when she tried to offer him alcohol, it was because it was actually roofied and it was supposed to knock him out. I don't like, I've, I've never been dr- like, I've never been drugged, so I can't say. Um, but I just don't know how you don't feel it. That's all I'm just saying. Like, even if you were roofied, I feel like you would, the, the, like, anyways, obviously it's, I'm overthinking it's cinematic, but yeah, I just, you know, I, Especially with that kind of needle, I've seen them before. Um, what ends up happening is so after a second, Cole tries to sneak out and bees in his room, you know, to catch him, and he ends up passing out. And when he after he passes out, he wakes up and he's tied up in a chair and they have him surrounded. Well, when they're basically talking to him, explaining what's going on, um, Two cops bust through the door. Yeah, because he uh, he called the police after he witnessed what happened to Samuel. He ran upstairs and he called the police before faking being asleep. But when one of these cops bust through the door, like instantaneously, Max throws a fire poker straight through the cop's eye. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty gruesome, awesome scene. And as after he throws it through the cop's eye, the cop acts, you know, is able to fire off a shot and ends up shooting uh, Allison, the head cheerleader, in the chest. <laughs> Fucking, she, yeah, he shoots Allison. It's played by, by Bella Thorne. And uh, I don't know why, but they had her, like, fly across the room. It was basically like, like in that scene in Freddy versus Jason whenever uh, Jason hits was hits that one girl at the, near the end and she flies across and hits the tree 
it was I don't understand why they had her fly across the room. Yeah, you know what? And the only the other thing I can compare it to is I remember this, and obviously it's it's a little bit different, but it's similar context was in the movie Kick Ass. You know, Nicholas Cage, Big Daddy, he shoots his daughter who's wearing bulletproof vest, and she goes flying like by like fifteen feet when she shoots when he shoots her. You can test on her bulletproof vest, and so she can like get used to like the pain. So I say that before I saw that before, um, but yeah, she went like flying across the room, but. You know, she's complaining about it. And honestly, I don't even know how she survived, like how they even had her survive because she got shot basically close to the heart. I don't I don't know. It's crazy. But another gruesome scene is that even so after that happens, Max goes to get the fire poker from the cop and he ends up like basically like ripping his head, like, you know, half his head off by pulling the fire poker out. And at the same time, another cop busts through the door and he points his gun to fire to fire it, and a bee comes behind and slits his throat. So both cops are now dead. Yeah, which you would think, uh, you know, they'd realize they screwed up and would be trying to get the hell out of there. So after this happens, Cole tries to run off back to his room, and they go chase after him, and John... Uh, is the first one that goes upstairs to go after him. And John ends up slipping on a remote control car when he gets up to Cole. And when he slips, he falls over the stairs down. And literally, as he falls down, his neck gets impelled by a, an award trophy. Yeah. It's, it's an insane it's, kill. This is one of the most gruesome kills I've ever seen. So it's basically yeah. it's it's kind of like a diamond. I don't. It, it's either glass or acrylic. I'm gonna go with glass, but both. It's still pointy though. So it's like a pointy diamond. As he falls, it goes straight through his neck, and it is just the way they did it. It was ex- extremely uh, gruesome um, kill. And that's the thing. Like with all these kills, they're extremely graphic, which I think makes it pretty awesome. Um, and then, so after John dies, so we're now down to Max, Allison, um, B, and Sonia. These are our, uh, these are our final four, as well as Cole. And so Cole goes to sneak off, and you know through his window using um, covers, and he ends up you know Max catches him, and he ends up. Um, falling because he lets go and so cole ends up running off grabbing going to a tool shed grabbing a massive firework and some um like a blanket to try to set off a bomb or basically equivalent of a bomb in his inside of his uh like underground of his house and he ends up when he does that sonia comes after him and he sets out the firework and he ends up exploding and hitting a gas and he traps Sonya underneath the house and basically blowing up Sonya. Which is kind of, is another kind of, the, the good thing about a lot of the, these kills is that they're very um, unique. Like, I really can't say I've seen something like that before where, like, let me trap someone in the house and use this, this big giant fire, you know, like bottle rocket that's gonna blow up the house. 
Yeah, and there's this uh, it's, there's this also funny part because like uh, after it initially explodes, uh, you hear her in the background say, "Ha ha, I'm still alive, motherfucker!" And then you hear another explosion, which indicates that she's no longer alive. <laughs> And then, I mean, so after that, Cole, you know, kills, kill, Cole kills, you know, kills Sonya. So now we're down to Max, Cole, B, and still Allison. And so Cole basically gets into some sort of, like, square off with Max. And, like, you know, he kind of stands up to Max and Max chases him. And, again, Cole's a preteen, essentially, nerd. And Max is, like, the head of the football team. But they end up, he ends up chasing him up to his, um, into like his treehouse and max falls through the the boards ends up hanging himself on a rope yeah this is so such an insane coincidental kill like how lucky for cole (laughs) because max uh you know he was he, he was pretty uh he wasn't easy easily outran or anything uh what was weird was like before this, there was a moment where one of Cole's like uh, bullies is over at his house, egging his house, and Cole tries to stand up to him because Robbie, because not Robbie, because uh, Max uh, tells him to uh, stand up for him and kick him in the dick, which is really weird because it's like he, you're first you want to kill the kid, now you're mentoring him. It's like make up your mind, but uh, he ends up, you know getting knocked out by the bully and so then Max is uh Max isn't happy and so then he chases him. I wonder what would happen if if, if Cole would have kicked the bully's ass and that they would end up like if you end up with still trying to come after him. Yeah no I it's wondering if, if Max would have been proud of him then it wouldn't have done anything. It, it was just really weird how he switched from wanting to kill Cole to mentoring him and trying to help him stand up for himself. It's like, yeah, these are bad people. They're also trying to teach you like important life lessons. <laughs> so after Cole is basically, I mean, actually not Cole, after Max kills him, you know, is hung, he ends up sneaking off to his friend um, who is, we see in the beginning of the movie, Melanie, Who's a neighbor and friend, and she secretly kind of likes um, Cole, and he basically goes hides because B's coming after him with a shotgun, and she hides in her house. He basically tells her, "You know, I'm sorry I brought you into this, but call the cops, and I'll be back." And then before he leaves, he ends up, you know, Melanie kisses him, and he basically like he runs runs out but it, i feel like it gives him kind of like a vote of confidence like okay i need to like man up and like finish this yeah that's what i that's what i saw it as too plus he really after she kisses him uh he realizes that he wants to protect her so he locks her in the upstairs bathroom and then runs out and gets B's attention well he runs back to his house and he ends up running into um, Allison, who thought who was pretending to be dead, and Allison tries to kill him. But before Allison is able to stab Cole with his massive kitchen knife, B from out of nowhere blow dis- completely obliterates Allison's yeah, head. Literally blows her head off with a shotgun. 
in the way that they did the scene, I thought was really cool because essentially you're seeing, you're seeing Allison, um, you know, kind of staring at you're you're seeing the front of Allison's head staring at Cole with the with a kitchen knife, and as she like kind of lunges at him, all of a sudden you see like her face explode, and as it explodes, you see B with the shotgun behind her. Yeah, it was a really really well done scene. Um, after he kills, so after B kills Allison, she kind of explains to Cole about how she was very similar to him and she eventually made a deal with the devil to get whatever she wants, but she had to ensure that she was sacrificing the innocent blood, um, and spilling blood on that ancient book to, and in order to continue getting what she wants. And she's been traveling and preying on kids similar to him. Yeah, because she's been, uh, uh, one of the things is when Cole gets back in his house, you realize that the mess, all the messes and evidence of what's been happening is gone. Uh, B's been cleaning up after him, and what a damn good job. I mean, how has she found time to clean up everybody's death and the, all the blood and stuff? In between, also chasing Cole is is out is is tremendous. So essentially, you know, to kind of get you know towards the end, um, B says, "I'll let you join my cult," and Cole ends up saying, you know, declining, and he goes to burn the book, and as he burns the book, out uh, B chases him to to get the book so prevent it from burning. And Cole runs out of the house, steals Melanie's dad's car, and you know, and drives the car through his house in a pretty epic scene. As the car kind of like hits, uh, like kind of like a ramp, and flies through the air and comes to the kitchen window and lands on top of B. Yeah, and B gives him props for, uh, you know, driving a car through his house. She said she didn't see that one coming. And after that happens, here comes the um, the ambulances. Ambulance comes out, firemen come out, you know, Cole's parents. They hug, embrace, and, you know, he basically kind of loses it at the end to where Cole tells his parents he no longer leaves a babysitter. And then we get credits. But at the end of credits, we see an aftershot of where a fireman comes into the house to check out. And we get kind of like a zoom in, zoom out of essentially implying that B is alive and she ends up killing the firefighter, which sets up the sequel for Babysitter Part 2 called Killer Queen that came out in 2020. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. But yeah, that's the that's the film. Um, just kind of conclusion, you know. This film is, I feel like it it is extremely short. It's not even ninety minutes. It's less than an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and we went through pretty quickly. But I felt like the one thing I want to say is I I don't feel, I feel like I may have undersell the kills and the kills in this film is a big selling point. I think yeah. for they're very unique. A lot of the a lot of the scenes of the kills and the gore is pretty crazy, 
and that alone is worth it is worth it there is some very you know cheesy lines and some cheesy parts there are some that, bad dialogue um, and horrible acting so some of it is diminished you know kind of diminishes that because at the end of the day um you're making like a teen comedy horror film that in comparison like yeah it's nowhere near like scream but it's definitely not like scary movie like it's it's somewhere like in the middle probably leaning closer towards scream but like you know but not much probably like on a scale of like if one scary movie and 10 scream it's probably like a six or seven range um i think if you find this and you kind of adjust your expectations we're like i'm probably going to see some cool stuff but i'm probably also going to hear a lot of horrible like dialogue and characters like development you probably are not going to be you know i think if you kind of align your ideology around that you'll you will enjoy this film so i do recommend it um if we're going to use uh let's see i kind of want to use uh daggers because of the first kill so let's say out of five daggers what would you rate as kyle uh, well, like I said before, uh, you know, this isn't perfect. There is, I have some issues with it. Uh, some of the dialogue is pretty cheesy and just awful. It just is typical, awful teenage dialogue. And there is some, some, there is some bad acting in this, but I do really enjoy the kills and I did like the story and smart weaving and Cole, uh, Cole's actor did a really good job and really stole the show show for this movie and I like that it sets up the sequels too. Uh but I, I other than that though, I, I did enjoy it. It is a fun just teen comedy horror film. And so with that, I'm gonna give it a solid three and a half daggers. Yeah, and I think one of the things with that to be said is um I, I agree with you three and a half for everything you said and i think one of the good things is that it's it's a quick watch too like i said it's less than 90 minutes and i think you would have fun fun and enjoy it um so i i guess i really recommend that um i would recommend on that scale like three and a half that you would i think have some fun watching this film oh yeah couldn't agree more so that we are almost at the end of our Netflix month of August. Uh, next week, we will cover our last one on Netflix called uh, one that I picked. But I'll be honest, I haven't seen it. It looked like a crazy plot line. Um, and I just said, Kyle, let's do this. And it's called Vampires versus the Bronx. And it's a group of kids from the Bronx that um, fight a vampire invasion. And I was like, that sounds like a fun premise. I I guess just one of those ones where we're just like, hey, let's do some, you know, it's I neither one of us have seen it. It's just kind of a shot in the dark because of the premise, and it was kind of more of like the the premise, and then some of the uh, the poster is what kind of got me. I'm like, this. Um, I'm trying to think of the movie um, that came out. It was like the kid in King Arthur's Court or something similar to that. Or the kid who would become king, I think it was the name of it. So it was basically like, you know, these kids that are fighting off like these monsters and stuff like that. So based on me seeing that film and I kind of had fun with it, I was like, okay, let's pick let's pick this film. It could be bad, it could be good. We'll find out together. 
yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. It'll be my first time watching it too. I'm excited to go over it, and we're going to be bringing on a, a a very good friend of mine as well. I'm excited. Um, is there in conclusion before we let everybody go? Do you have anything else you want to add, um, Kyle? Uh, just your typical, uh, as usual. Make sure you know if uh, if you if you're medically allowed to get vaccinated and make sure you wear your mask. Uh, and as always, uh, make sure you support and check out our friends, uh, the Scream Queens, Sounds from the Grave, Reflections of Fear podcast, uh, Crystal Lake Soldiers podcast, and just uh, so many, so many more. And just, uh, you know, uh, continue to watch, uh, watch horror films and thank you. Thank you all for your support. And whether you've been with us from the beginning or you're a new listener, we appreciate it. And we couldn't, it'd just be weird doing this, doing this without you. And just add, um, you know, I hope again, everybody is stay safe, stays healthy. Um, for those of you guys who are going back to school or have little ones that are going to school, I wish you guys the best of luck. Um, you know, really, in the end, just, you know, really, there's a term that grew up, I learned a lot, um, and this isn't meant to be religious, but it's called, you know, love thy neighbor. And I think the most important thing in these trying times is that um, by having compassion and love for your neighbor your friends, your family, your community, and sticking together and looking what's in the, you know, how to help one another through this and what's in the benches of the community. We will endure and continue to endure and get through this time. Um, and, and that's all I can ask is just think about your neighbor and think about um, your community and what you can do to help each other through this as well as, you know, your family. Um, and I think the more that we do that and open our hearts up to that, you know, concept, the m- more we'll be able to get through this, these trying times. So with that, I must bid you adieu. Goodbye. Good night. And remember every day is Halloween. <laughs>